is the concluding installment. This is the concluding installment of a series of messages I've entitled Building a Five-Star Church. And I hope that you've been here for everyone. If not, you can go online and catch up. But uh, today we're going to be looking at a fellowshipping church, which is so important for any church to be strong and healthy. Hunger is a growing problem around the world with an estimated 852 million people suffering from malnutrition. We have all seen the haunting pictures of starving children and people whose bodies are nothing more than skin and bones. Their hollow eyes silently cry out for someone to satisfy their endless craving for food. A morsel, a crumb, a scrap from our table. They stare hopelessly, begging for anything to stop the hunger. There is another hunger that is even more widespread. But it is far more difficult to detect. It is a hunger of the heart. This hunger can only be satisfied with the food of Christian fellowship. The term fellowship has been greatly misunderstood. Some believe that fellowship is nothing more than a social gathering where you have food and fun. The New Testament word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. The literal meaning of this word is to share, to have in common, or to participate. The early church exemplified the true meaning of Christian fellowship. In Acts chapter 2 verses 41 through 47, we read about this young, growing congregation. A closer look at this church reveals that she practiced the five functions necessary for any church to be healthy and growing. We've looked at the first four of these. Today we will look at the fifth. And these functions include the following. Worship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, and fellowship. Any church that wants to be a five-star church best have these functions at work among her members. Since we have already looked at the first four now in this series, let's really focus our attention closely on the fifth, that is fellowship. Let's begin to see what God would have us to learn this morning. So hopefully you found your way now to the book of Acts chapter 2 as we begin to see the basis for a fellowshipping church. I want you to know, first of all, there is a biblical basis For a fellowshipping church. Verse 41 tells us. So then those who had received his word. This is speaking about the sermon. Preached by the apostle Peter. As he stood there at Pentecost. And proclaimed the word of God. Using Old Testament passages like. uh, Psalms and Joel. To proclaim the God given message. About Jesus. He preached the. Sinless life, the sacrificial death and glorious resurrection of Christ, and people were saved. And that's what we strive to preach here at First Baptist. We preach Jesus here. We take the word of God and proclaim it. Did you know that this pulpit is in the center of this sanctuary from your perspective because of the centrality of preaching the word? When we stand to preach from this pulpit, 
we preach the word of God. In our classes, whether it be a small group like a discipleship class or a Sunday school class, we want to teach the word of God. We have vacation Bible school. The word of God is what we teach. First Academy, we want to provide an excellent education in a Christian, in a Christian environment with a Christian worldview, but the word of God is the driving force behind everything we do. So the, it, it is a biblical basis for fellowship that we're looking at this morning. As we study the scriptures, we learn that we are flawed individuals. That may be a surprise to some of you, but did you know we're all sinners? We're all sinners by nature and by choice. That is, we're sinners by nature in that we've inherited from our foreparents, going back all the way to Adam, this sinful inclination. And given enough time, we will act upon that leaning towards sin, and we ourselves will sin. And we've all demonstrated that. But we're also sinners by choice. We consciously choose to sin against God. So we're sinners by nature and by choice, and that is a big problem because God hates sin, for He is holy, just like we sang this morning. God is holy. He is perfect in all of His ways. And he cannot accept us into a relationship with himself while we are sinners. There's a high price to sin and that is death. God has told us the wages of sin is what? Death. Eternal separation. That's what death is, isn't it? Physical death is when the body is separated from the spirit. But spiritual death is when we ourselves, our spirit is dead toward God. Eternal death is when we die in a state of spiritual deadness and for eternity we're separated from God. So death is essentially separation. And we in our sins are separated from holy God. And the revelation of God's word though shows us That Jesus Christ came and lived without sin. Tempted the way you and I are tempted, yet he never sinned. And that he willingly died in our place, taking our punishment, our penalty for sin. And then was raised three days later from the dead in power and glory. And when we hear this message and we respond with saving faith, we are forgiven of our sins and placed in a relationship with God through his son, the Lord Jesus, but not just in a relationship with him. Folks, we are in a relationship one with the other. That's what the Bible teaches. That's Christian fellowship. When we are connected together, we are woven together. We're inseparable because we are the church of the living God. And we were placed in this church body by God himself. Now, there's the church universal, which is composed of all believers throughout all the ages. But this is the local church, and this is our expression of faith, is through this body of believers. Most of the time when the church is used in the Bible by reference, it is referring to a specific local congregation. So we are part of the body of Christ at large, but locally here, we're part of First Baptist. This local assembly. God has placed us here to express our faith, to live out our faith in community. 
in connection together. We're not islands in and of ourselves. We're a body. We're a family. We're the bride of Christ. There's connectedness. This is the biblical basis for fellowship. But not just a biblical basis. We see a spiritual basis. In verse 41, the Bible says, those who had received his word were baptized. Now, I told you this morning how overjoyed I was to baptize those two girls. And you as a church, you're overjoyed as well. Every time we see someone baptized, what this is, is a public statement that they have accepted Christ as their Savior. The spiritual baptize. The spiritual baptism already occurred when they accepted Christ. The Bible says God gives us and he gave them the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. And we're also placed in the church. You can hold your place here in Acts and you may want to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. Let me read for you what happens when a person is saved. And if you're a Christian, this happened to you. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and Peter here speaking about the church, he says, And coming to him, that is to Christ, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in in the sight of God. You also, notice this, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now what does he mean by that? He says that you are a living stone placed by the Holy Spirit into the spiritual house, the the spiritual body, the church. So we're all little stones, but we make up the larger church. We're connected. We're all important to the work of God. Now, if you don't think it's important... If you don't think the stones are important to the, to the overall body, when you get home, get you a sledgehammer and go out and begin to beat away at the side of your house and knock a few of those blocks or a few of the brick out of place and, and see what happens. You'll begin to destroy the very home in which you live. You see, we are individual stones, but God has put us together into the body of Christ, as he says here, into the spiritual house. So that means we're one. This is a spiritual reality. We're inseparable. Now, you may not want to hear this, but you're going to have to spend eternity with me, folks. You're not going to get rid of me. If you're a Christian, you're going to be with me in eternity. And I have to deal with you in eternity. So we all have our work cut out for us, don't we? But the good news is we will graduate into glory and we'll be made perfect. So we won't have all these little issues. But the reality is, folks, that we are an inseparable body. We're an inseparable group of people because Christ has brought us together. We see this in his word. And when we're saved, we become this part of this spiritual house but also there is a relational basis verse 41 goes on and says and day by day they were added into the church about 3,000 souls that day I should say they were they were added about 3,000 souls so that's a that speaks of relationship they were added to something they became a part of something they became a part of that local assembly there they were in relationship and they had all things in common 
Now, hold your place again in Acts and go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 as we look at verses 1 through 6. Here we see the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and the churches of Asia Minor. And uh, he has been establishing the spiritual reality of who we are in Christ Jesus and what Christ has done for us and has saved us and brought us into uh, his church. And then he talks about the, the practical application of that spiritual reality. So here he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Now, let me stop here for just a moment. I want you to really give me undivided attention here for just a moment. Here, he's speaking about putting into daily practice who you really are spiritually. Putting into daily practice who you really are. Living out your faith in a community of faith. And he says this in verse 2, with all humility, this is how we're to behave, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. That's how we live out this Christian faith in community, right? And then in verse 3 he says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You see that word preserve? Notice what he doesn't say. Are you listening, church? If so, say amen. Amen. Notice he doesn't say that we're to be diligent to create the unity of the Spirit. Because we don't create unity. We preserve unity. Christ has created the unity by bringing us together and giving us His Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ living within us now... Is what binds us together. Just think the same spirit of Christ that lives in me. Lives in you as a believer. And it's the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. The same spirit lives in us. And so he says here in verse 3. Being diligent to preserve. In other words. Don't do anything to disrupt the unity. That Christ has created. Preserve it. How do you preserve it? Well, with humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance one for the other, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now notice in verse 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father over all who is over all and through all and in all. Notice over and over again the word one is used. Speaking about what we share, what we have in common. That is speaking about our fellowship as believers. This is what Christ has provided for us. Folks, we are one in Christ. Now he's saying that this is a spiritual reality. Now live it out. So we've talked about a biblical basis for being a fellowshipping church. A spiritual basis for being a fellowshipping church. But now we see the relational basis for being a fellowshipping church. 
God has put us in family, in community. And he says, live out this faith. And friend, let me tell you, when you and I are living at the maximum level of fellowship the way God intends, we will be a witness to the lost folks outside this church building. Because they will see the love we share one with the other and it will impact our community and our world. The theme song of a popular 1980s sitcom. I know some of you were not born back in the 80s. You were not even alive. But this sitcom was known by the word Cheers. I didn't really watch the program that much. But the the theme song was a popular song. And I want to read you some of these words to the, to the song that they sang every time the show began. Sometimes you want to go t- to where everybody knows your what? Your name. See, you know this better than I do. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see... Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows your name. This hunger for fellowship can only be satisfied with a relationship with God and His church. Many people are feeding on the stale crumbs of worldly fellowship rather than feasting at the banquet table of a fellowshipping church. A five-star church understands the basis of true fellowship and reaches out to those who are in need and ministers to them. This is the basis for a fellowshipping church. Now, you say, well, how do we build that kind of a church? Building of a fellowshipping church involves a number of things, as you see outlined in this passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 42. First of all, as I've already alluded to, it is built on Scripture. Verse 42 says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were saved because they heard the word of God preached and they responded to it by faith. Now they continue in the word of God as the apostles are teaching and preaching the word. So they're growing in their faith because of the scriptures. Folks, let me tell you, the word of God is so important because it tells me not only how I can be saved... But it tells me how to live once I have been saved. And it tells me about all the promises God has for me. And the help that he has given for me. And and just so many things that I need for everyday Christian living. And not the least of which is how I relate to my brothers brothers and sisters in Christ as Christians. So the scripture is foundational. If we're going to have the type of fellowshipping church God wants... We must stay in the scriptures. We must teach the word of God. And friend, that's why I urge you be here and hear the word of God. I'm so thankful you're here this morning to hear the word of God being preached. We do this every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. The word of God is preached and it's so important that you're here regularly. So you'll be together with everybody else. We'll be on the same page. But the scripture is so important. But also... A fellowshipping church is built on love. Love. Look in verse 42. The Bible says they were continuing together in the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They were fellowshipping together. You know, another word for Christian fellowship is love. It's loving one another. 
It's putting your own preferences and your own desires aside and embracing other people. It's not allowing your own preferences to hinder you from connecting with other people. Because see, what you have to realize is we're all different. We all have different preferences, likes and dislikes. Isn't that true? But we can never allow those differences to divide us because we have so much more that unites us than divides us. And love is how we demonstrate to one another that Christ is actively involved in our lives. The Bible says they will know we're Christians by our steeple. Oh, I'm sorry, I misquoted that verse. They will know we are Christians by our budget. Oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. They will know we are Christian by our music style. No, that's not it. They will know we're Christians by what is it? By our love. They will know we're Christians by our love one for the other. Now, granted, there are some people more difficult to love than others, right? But we're to love each other nonetheless. And we are to be loving one toward the other. So building a fellowshipping church involves the scripture, involves love, but also it is built on Christ. Verse 42, they were teaching about Christ and they were breaking bread together. They were fellowshipping together. The breaking bread together is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And by the way, I want to give you a special invitation to be back tonight. We want to fill this place up tonight because we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. Did you know Jesus commanded that we do that? It's not an option. But tonight we're going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper. And friend, it's going to be a transformational time in that once we leave this place, we're going to have a sense of renewal, a sense of cleansing. We're going to be recharged and refocused. It's so important that we keep the main thing, the main thing, and the Lord's Supper is one good way to do that. Amen? So it's going to be a great evening. So the Lord's Supper kept their focus on Christ, as did the teaching, and Christ is the foundation for our church. Everything we do rests upon Him, and we do for Him. We are to exalt Him. And also, a fellowshipping church is built on prayer. Look in verse 42. They were praying together. Did you know prayer is a very spiritually intimate experience? Every Wednesday night we gather in the old social hall and we have a time of Bible study and then we get together in little small groups and we pray one for the other. And we pray for you, everyone whose uh, name is on that prayer list. And we pray for other issues that come up during the evening that we gather. But it's a very special time it's precious when we leave that place we have this sense of connectedness we have this sense of of unity because we have spent some very personal intimate time together talking to God almighty the creator of heaven and earth it's a very wonderful experience prayer does that that's why prayer is so important in the life of a church. I don't know of a single church that's doing a great work for God that prayer is not a centerpiece in what they do. Someone has said that we are only what we are on our knees and no more. And the battles we win or lose will be won or lost on our knees. Prayer is an essential part of building a fellowshipping church as we pray one for the other. Just think of it, folks. 
If we have needs and we're not praying for one another, what does that say? That says something about us. Spiritually, we're not where we need to be. But when we're so burdened and concerned about one another, we're going to be praying for each other because we care. And then building a fellowship in church involves worship. It is built on worship. Verse 43, look at that verse. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. That is a good definition of worship. That is a sense of awe. You cannot truly worship God without having a sense of awe. And if you have worshipped God, you will leave that place of worship with a sense of awe of who He is. A holy terror. A sense of great holy reverence for God. Worship is so important to the life of the church and fellowship. Think about how that when we gather together, just a few moments ago, we were all standing together and with one voice We were lifting up our voices and praise to Almighty God. We were celebrating who He is and what He has done for us. Never come into a place like this and think, okay, we've got to sing through a, a few songs. Friend, it's not about just singing through some songs. You could do that in your own car. This is about coming together, fellowshipping together. One with, a, with the other with an expression of unity and purpose as we lift up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what worship is all about. And I'm just so thankful when you stand and sing with passion. Friend, when you sing, sing out to the glory of the Lord. Don't worry about how you sound. You're not trying to impress anyone. This is not an audition. This is an expression of worship. You're singing to the audience of one, God Almighty. And didn't you enjoy the choir this morning? And I'm just so thankful for the new faces we see in there. And and did you know there's a whole row of empty seats up here that we've set out for you? We want you to be here this Wednesday night with Brother BJ as as we're uh, striving to double our choir by next year at this time. Come and, and lead. It's a worship experience. It's leading us in worship when you stand and sing. So worship is a very important part of building the fellowshipping church. The Big Dig was the name given to a construction project consisting of a network of tunnels beneath the city of Boston. The purpose for this project was to relieve traffic congestion, reduce air pollution, and revitalize the city. As the workers near the end of this 15-year project, the cost reached $14.6 billion. Unfortunately, many Bostonians were afraid to use the tunnels because of a collapse of a 12-ton section of one of the tunnel's ceilings that resulted in the death of a 38-year-old woman. One contractor was even indicted for using flawed materials for the project. Could it be that many churches have fatal flaws in their fellowship? A five-star church is composed of Christians who have the same blueprint for fellowship as used by the early church. Let us follow their plan for building a five-star church because it's a plan that God gave. 
And when we implement the the right plan for the right reason, with the right resources, we're going to see a thriving church with great, rich fellowship. And this is a great fellowshipping church. I'm going to tell you, I've just been very impressed. Very thankful for the welcome we have received and the love that we share here. And I commend you for that. Let's continue to build upon it, though. Let's continue to increase it. Let's continue to grow that. Now, we've talked about the basis for a fellowshipping church, the building of a fellowshipping church. Now, let's look quickly at the behavior of a fellowshipping church. The behavior of a common faith is very important. Are you listening to me, church? If so, look at verse 44. Here the Bible says, And all those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. What did they have in common? Well, most importantly, they shared in common their faith. What they believed. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's all kinds of isms in the world today. All kinds of beliefs based on superstition and human psychology and philosophy and all the rest. Let me tell you where we get our beliefs from. From a proper interpretation of God's revelation to us. This is our standard for faith and practice. That is what we believe and how we behave. And friend, let me tell you, what you believe will determine how you behave. What you believe will determine how you behave. So it's important we have a common faith. My desire as your pastor is to be able to equip you to defend your faith. You need to know what you believe and be able to defend it. And that's what we're going to work toward through my ministry here. And I'm thankful for Brother Shep through these many years, 23 years of faithfully faithfully preaching the Word of God to you. And my desire is to continue on preaching the Word of God, building up the faith. And it's my desire when your teenagers get out of your house and go off to the university, they will be able to withstand the onslaught that they will be exposed to where their faith is ridiculed. They will be able to defend their faith. That's one reason we have a a Christian school here is to help undergird that so that our students can graduate being able to defend the faith. And I want you to be able to do that. It's so important. We share a common faith. And what I'll ask of you is to regularly, faithfully come and listen to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, listen to this. Next Sunday morning, we're going to begin to go through our first book of the Bible. It's a short book, but it's a powerful book, the book of Jonah. The message series is entitled, Jonah, the Diary of a Backslidden Preacher. So I want you to come and be a part of it. Invite your friends to come. There'll be four sermons in this short series leading us into our spring revival. But it's going to be a powerful time of Bible study together. So you come. As a matter of fact, in the fall, we're going to kick off a series in the evening time on Sunday nights through the book of the Revelation. Verse by verse through that book. Wonderful time to invite your friends who are unchurched. But we're going to be studying the word of God together. And I need you to be praying. I need you to be inviting. I need you to be coming with your Bibles opened. 
taking notes and listening. And then when we leave, we want to begin to apply this in how we live. And all God's people said, amen. So this common faith is so important. Also, the behavior of a compassionate faith. Look in verse 45. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as everyone had need. When anybody had a need, they would just share their stuff. Now, when you start sharing stuff that you have, you know you're serious about loving the Lord. We have a lot of stuff, folks. I'm telling you, we just moved. And I'm, I want you to know, uh, you, uh, some of you heard me say the other day, I told my wife, honey, don't buy anything else unless we can eat it. <laughs> we have so much stuff. We need to get rid of some of this stuff. And we need to be sensitive to the needs of other people. Folks, a dynamic, growing church will have many needs. And we have to be faithful to give and serve and share what we have and help those who are in need. And then the behavior of a fellowship in church is a committed faith. Look in verse 46. Here the Bible says, day by day they continue with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. And they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Notice their commitment to God and to one another. They live this out, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. They were involved in interacting together every day of the week. They were together loving one another, sharing their things together, fellowshipping together, rejoicing together, praying together, weeping together, rejoicing in the Lord together. These are some of the behaviors that should be consistent in a church that is a five-star church. You've heard the old expression, blood is thicker than water. The thought behind that statement is that family members share more in common and are more committed than non-family members. This statement is even truer regarding the church. The blood of the precious Lord Jesus Christ has cleansed and connected all believers into a fellowship of faith. And we are a part of that fellowship of faith since we are members of the same family and we share a certain behavior, characteristics that are common to those who know the Lord, then we are a part of the body of Christ and we must live like it and fellowship together in this community. And then finally, I want you to see quickly now, the blessings of a fellowshipping church. One of the greatest blessings you will ever experience is when you connect with a fellowshipping church. We're blessed, first of all, with favor, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. God is able to show favor to us with himself and with other people when we are in fellowship together. And fruit is also a blessing. He goes on and says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church was fruitful. And that's what First Baptist is going to be and is presently, but even more so in the future. As we continue to grow and build as a five-star church, we're going to impact more and more people. I saw this morning as I was getting ready to come to church on uh, Fox News, they were talking about this new book that is out where a man has done uh, a study about our contemporary society and how a lack of church attendance has caused a fracturing within our very culture. 
And he pointed out that only 20% of the people in our country are involved in church. You know what that means? Folks, that means that we are living on a mission field. 80% of the people we come into contact with have no church that they call home. 80 out of 100 people. That means the Lord has placed us here to impact them with a gospel message. And as a five-star church, we should be doing that. We must share this commonality that God has placed here among us. John Fawcett was leaving Wingsgate Church in England where he had served as a pastor for 17 years. He was beginning a new pastorate in London. As he and his family were loading their possessions and saying goodbye, their hearts were so moved that they realized that they could not leave that congregation behind. They had served for so long and they'd built such a strong and close fellowship together, they could not tell them goodbye and leave. So they unloaded their things and they stayed at Wayne's Gate for another 37 years. As the congregation gathered for worship the next day, they tearfully sang a song written by their pastor the night before. The song became a beloved hymn that was sung around the world. What I want to ask you to do as we close this sermon this morning, I want you to reach over and take someone by the hand who you are seated by, and I want you to stand to your feet, and we're going to sing a portion of this hymn together, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. You'll see the words on the screen. I want you to sing out, and as you sing out, holding the other person's hand as a sign of unity and fellowship, let's sing together. Bless be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. five-star church is a fellowshipping church. God, help us to be that kind of church. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here at First Baptist. Thank you, Lord, for moving